Well, if you'd like to take a seat, and uh, Rafaro is going to bring a reading to us from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each, of, each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all on this damp May morning. At least the weather knows it's a bank holiday, doesn't it? Well, a couple of weeks early, we reached Pentecost in our fast-moving tour through the Bible of our series of All Things New. This is the story of creation, decreation and recreation. Creation, the perfect relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. Decreation, the effect of sin, banishment and the flood. Finally ending up in exile. And recreation, as death and resurrection of Jesus makes all things new. So today we reach Pentecost and the power of God is unleashed through the church in great power. Those who are in hiding go public. Those who are fearful become bold. The silence after the resurrection is broken as thousands of converts throng the streets of Jerusalem. Tongues, converts, miracles, rejoicing. Dramatic days, unprecedented days, or maybe not. Is that same Spirit of God at work today as he was at Pentecost? Let me tell you something similar that happened just last month. A friend of mine was in Costa Rica this month, training church pastors in his private and violent suburb of San Jose. In one seminar, he was using the feeding of the 5,000 as an illustration of how God multiplies. And one of the pastors said to him, oh, that happened to us 
just last month. Pastor Roy is a respected pastor, but his background was as a gang leader and drug dealer. He runs a church in this suburb of San Jose. His church were holding an evangelistic rally, rally in March in a sports field and food was provided. As the people came in, it became obvious that there were far more than they had expected. They catered for 150 people, preparing two large bowls of chicken, rice and vegetables. But the people just kept coming. Quickly, they purchased hundreds of more paper plates. How are we going to feed them? Pastor Roy replied, just keep serving while we still have food. Over 800 people was served from those two bowls prepared for 150. Their provision was multiplied fivefold. It was a miracle. And there was enough left over for all 20 church leaders to take some home for their families. Does that sound familiar? It was a miracle. It was testified to by five eyewitnesses, testified to by the ticket slips for the event with over 800 names and phone numbers, testified to by over 800 empty plates. But that's not the main miracle. Over 300 people gave their lives to Christ that evening, just as at Pentecost. Praise God, he is still working. That same Pentecost spirit is at work today in his church. And so our focus today is on the spirit and the new creation. At Pentecost, the spirit came dramatically. In Acts 2, verse 2, it feels like the whole house was shaking. Luke writes, suddenly... A sound like the violent, uh, blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where we were sitting. Powerful, spectacular, tongues of fire descending on each one of them. The Holy Spirit has all the power and authority of Almighty God. And he came in power that day as he did in Costa Rica. He came in dramatic form. I wonder how that makes you feel. Perhaps like me, that makes you feel a bit intimidated. The thought of suddenly being overwhelmed by such a force. But God is not about frightening us. How often did Jesus say, don't be afraid? God doesn't force himself on us. He comes to us by invitation. His spirit is respectful and gentle. It's the same spirit that alighted like a dove on Jesus at his baptism. The same gentle spirit that visited Mary. He comes in peace. He comes in love. He's called the comforter. We misunderstand God if we're frightened by the Holy Spirit. Last Tuesday, in our home group, Steve Johnson said something which stuck with me. He said this, we often talk about Jesus loving us, 
but Jesus also likes us. Jesus likes you. Jesus treats you as a friend. He respects you. He likes you. And because Jesus likes you, you should not fear his Holy Spirit, but seek him, invite him, and welcome him in. So let's welcome the Holy Spirit. Now I want to think about the different languages that came at Pentecost. As the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they began to speak in different languages. Now I don't know who was more surprised, the disciples or the large crowd that gathered outside as a result. It must have been quite a sound because it drew a crowd of thousands and it was only nine o'clock in the morning. Amazingly, each foreign visitor heard them speaking in their own tongue. And verse nine lists at least 15 different languages. Now this is significant in two ways. Firstly, everyone heard the gospel in their own mother tongue. That may not actually have been essential because there were common languages across the Roman Empire, but it was a sign that God was being personal to each one of them, personally respecting them by speaking in their mother tongue. Not only does God like you, but he respects you. But secondly, the language issue was a reversal of the decreation of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, you remember the whole world spoke one language. But people wanted to reach God in their sinful state. The God from whom, whose presence they'd been barred in the Garden of Eden. So they build a tower to try to reach heaven. And God confuses their language in order to disperse them. Language confusion became a consequence of sin and decreation. But now at Pentecost, instead of confusion, we get clarity. Instead of being excluded from God's presence, we have access, a personal invitation. And so the Spirit is poured out. The crowds gather and Peter preaches, offering God's invitation. Later in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, we read, we read that Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They're invited in. Thousands added to the church as the gospel is preached. This is the miracle of the Spirit descending in power, just as we thought about in Costa Rica. This is the work of the Spirit, empowering the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the life-giving word. So the Holy Spirit is respectful, and he's the agent of recreation, empowering the preaching of the gospel. Do you remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus? He said that this new life 
is like being born again, a rebirth. To respond to the gospel, to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says we must be born of water and of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, water and spirit go hand in hand. Water for cleansing and the spirit for renewal. Listen to what Ezekiel says, 36 and verse 24. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my laws, they will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. Water for cleansing, spirit for renewal. It's like being back in the Garden of England, born again, right with God, a recreation. So the Holy Spirit is respectful. He empowers the gospel, and he gives new life. Earlier on in his ministry, the disciples had asked Jesus how they would continue his work when he was gone. And in John 14, Jesus promises them another counsellor, one like him, the spirit to take over where Jesus leaves off. So after the resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and he breathes his spirit on them. He breathed on them. Doesn't that seem strange? But Jesus' act of breathing is very symbolic. It's the same as when God breathed life into Adam. And it's the same as in Ezekiel 34 when God breathed life into dry bones. Breath gives life. It's a life-giving act. And Jesus breathing his spirit on his disciples is the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecies and the dawning of a new age. We said many times in this series that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit fulfills Ezekiel's promise, a promise which the Jews celebrated at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now let me stop for a moment and think about why the Feast of Tabernacles points to the Holy Spirit. It, was, it celebrated God's presence with Israel in the tabernacle as they journeyed from slavery in Egypt through to the promised land. So in Jerusalem, on the final day of the feast, the Jews would reenact Ezekiel 47, the time when the Spirit of God would be poured out from the temple as a life-giving river. And the people would gather at the Pool of Siloam in the lower city of Jerusalem. And they would fill up jars of water. And then they would process up the mount to the temple. And the water would be poured out over the altar while they were reading the prophecy. They were inviting God to fulfill his promise to pour out his spirit in such a way that their wilderness would turn into Eden, a recreation. Now, why do I mention this? It's because Jesus interrupts that feast. In John 7 and 37, Jesus stands up and he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. 
In other words, you don't need to reenact the prophecy. It's being fulfilled right here, right now, in your very midst. Jesus is the source of abundant life. And those who receive his new life become temples of the Holy Spirit. They now become the temple. The temple was the meeting place of God, the point where heaven and earth met. That place had moved. It had moved from Eden to the tabernacle and from the tabernacle to the temple. And now Jesus is saying it's moving from the temple to Christ himself and through Christ to the heart of every believer. Paul says to the Corinthians, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We receive new life flowing in and we become the source of life as we breathe out to the world around us. Sometimes we do hear of the Holy Spirit coming in dramatic power, like at Pentecost, like in Costa Rica. But sometimes that power will come in sensitive gentleness, helping us to live and work and witness to our loving Lord. And so we need to invite the Holy Spirit in. We need to invite him to fill us, to empower us. On Tuesday in Open Church, Chris Arnott was leading our studies in Ephesians 6, the full armor of God. And in that passage, we read, pray at all times in the Spirit. And as I listened to that, I thought, is that why we find prayer so hard? We pray, Lord, but we don't pray in the Spirit. We need to ask, Lord, send your Spirit. If we pray at all times in the Spirit, we need to say, Lord, send your Spirit. We need your Spirit. Your spirits be with us to comfort us, to guide us, to teach us, to empower us, to teach us how to pray. Let's ask God this morning, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You may feel frightened. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You may feel useless. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You may feel powerless. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Lord, may this be to your glory. Amen.